what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.tv. I'm Alan. This is Chris as I point across the table I'm to here. all of you who cannot see me, but trust me, Chris is here. And right I'm across from me. Back at Alan. Yes, he is waving back at me. We are exchanging pleasantries by <laughs> hand signals. We're ready to start talking about films here on Foot Candle Films. Uh, this is our film review show and discussion show here on TheMesh.tv. Chris, we've got two films that we're really going to hone in on in our reviews. Probably go pretty quick on these. Okay. And then hit a couple news items and follow up if we have time with our recommendations uh, that we like to share with everyone for films they may want to check out online or may have missed. So... Today, we've got two films to talk about. Very opposite films. Right. Chris? One's a period piece starring Tom Cruise, and the other one's about slavery and time travel, right? Yes, exactly. Right. You got it just right. Wait awesome. a minute. Hold on. No, there's, <laughs> you got something confused there. Oh. Yeah. Tom Cruise is in the time, time travel, travel sci-fi film, and the Jesus. slavery issue is talked about in the period piece. Gotcha. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Yeah, I get that confused a lot, too. It's the Tom Cruise film, Edge of Tomorrow, uh, and then we're going to be talking about a film called Bell, which uh, got kind of a smaller film, not as big a wide release, but having to do with a true story taking place in England uh, back in the late 1700s. So, Chris, let's start off with the big sci-fi film first, if you're okay with that. Sure. As we jump right into Edge of Tomorrow. What I am about to tell you sounds crazy, but you have to listen to me. very lives depend on it. You see, this isn't the first time. Now, we've had this conversation. Chris, Edge of Tomorrow, which yes. I'll go in right now say... Horrible name. Yes. It sounds like a very generic Nicolas Cage action film that went straight to video. Yeah. So Edge of Tomorrow. Or like a bad James Bond title or something Yeah, like this. which it's based off of a graphic novel called, which I think is a great title, and this was going to be called this originally, All You Need Is Kill. Huh. I love it. Okay. It's like, it's odd, it's quirky, <laughs> but it, it stands out. I think they thought that was maybe a little too much for American audiences. <laughs> so let's go with Edge of Tomorrow. Which mm. sucks as a title. Yes. So, my only simple question to you. It stars Tom Cruise. He it's does a sci-fi film. It. He does run a lot in the film. Uh, it's a big action spectacle, but it's got a little bit of a twist in that we're talking about a character who basically dies in battle. He is someone who's not equipped to be a soldier, but gets thrown into a, a very futuristic war with an alien race. Dies in the midst of battle and finds himself coming back and reliving that same day. Groundhog Day style over and over again. So, Chris, if you were stuck in that same time loop as Tom Cruise in this movie, okay, and you had the choice of watching the, this day over and over again, <laughs> would Edge of Tomorrow be in your cycle of wanting to watch every day, or is one time enough for you? 
Uh, probably one time's enough for me. Okay. Um, but is that more of a Chris Fry response than that you just don't like watching movies over and over again? Or is this movie just not really hold up for you very well? This movie doesn't have enough in it to make me want to watch it repeated watches. One okay. watch was enough. Is it a bad movie? No. Um, it was fun to see on the big screen. I would, okay. you know, we'll say that. It's your typical summer action blockbuster movie. Mm-hmm. The whole time looping did have the potential to really end up being awesome and give me a little bit more to chew on, but it ended up kind of not quite reaching its potential, so therefore kind of fell flat for me. Um, I will say, uh, not a big fan. I've kind of waned on Mr. Cruz. I guess maybe the publicity of his personal life and things like that just have Mm -hmm. kind of graded on me a little bit, so it's hard for me to separate those two. Sure. Um, I did appreciate the beginning of the film, he actually kind of plays a character. He plays Cage, who's like this military <laughs> officer. And he kind of puts a spin on it where he's kind of a, kind of a goof. And yeah. he's not all that tough. And he gets kind of thrown around he's, at the beginning of the film. He's a wimp. He's uh, scared. Right. You know, and he... made fun of. Doesn't want to go fight this war against the aliens. So that was kind of refreshing in that he's kind of being like a less than admirable character. He's not all right. macho and not all like, go get him. Kind of interesting. Unfortunately, that kind of falls away. It does. Um, something that I also enjoyed was Emily Blunt, who I think is pretty much the strength of the film. She plays... Um, Rita. Rita, yes. Uh, which I actually think is a reference to Groundhog Day, a character in Groundhog Day. Um, hmm. I think it's the, the love interest of Bill Murray, possibly. And maybe. We'll have, to have our intern check on that for right. sure. Yeah. Um, but anyways, she plays this person who... He kind of has to pal around with to figure out what's going on with the whole time loop thing. Okay. And I thought she was really strong in it. And it's there again, kind of like the timeline thing. There was potential for this to be a very original film in that you go in thinking Tom Cruise is the big hero and the big action center focus. And instead, it's a woman and it's Emily Blunt. And if that had been carried out through the end of the film, I think it would have been amazing. You know, kind of like a Sigourney Weaver from Aliens, except. It's in this movie, and Tom Cruise is in it, but he's not the main guy. You know, right. so that would have been really awesome. But unfortunately, that kind of falls away, yeah. too. But the time that she is allowed to be that lead and be the smarter one in the room compared to Tom Cruise's character, I thought was really cool. What were your general impressions? Of it? Um, very similar. I, I liked it probably a little better than you did, and okay. that I did enjoy it. But it's mainly because I enjoyed the first two-thirds of this film so much. I got you. The last third of the film... I did not enjoy. I think once you got away from the overall conceit of the film, the mm-hmm. time looping, uh, once that got broken, which it, there is a point where something happens and it changes the, the style of the film a little bit. Sure. To me, the last third really became more of the traditional sci-fi action shoot 'em up movie. Well, and I, it's interesting in that um, I remember discussing this with you. We actually did see it together. Yes, we did. And walking Full out. Full disclosure. Yeah, full disclosure. And walking out, you expressed that. And I was like, well, basically at the point in that last third where a certain aspect of the film kind of breaks down, Mm -hmm. um, I kind of respected that it broke down because it kind of heightened the stakes. But Mm -hmm. the the overall stakes of the film and like how something could happen instead of replaying it over and over again. True. The problem was... If it hadn't have been for Emily Blunt taking the back seat, if she'd have remained in the front yeah. seat, I think it could have, even though a certain aspect of it broken down, it would have been still interesting to see how they used her as the central. But I think the I combination of the two, both of them breaking down, did kind of. But I wasn't as surprised that that kind of broke down. Well, to me, and I don't want to go keeping into, things vague. Yeah, here. exactly. We're not going to go into spoilers on right. this, but the breakdown that we're talking about, about two thirds of the way through the movie. 
to me was also very very poorly handled it just was very clunky and it was kind of like oh okay now this time travel thing doesn't work anymore and it was just kind of assumed and expected and everybody moved ahead and that that didn't work for me either so i think really i love the style of the film i thought the first two-thirds of it were great I thought the whole time looping mechanism, the way it was handled, there was a lot of humor in there that I didn't expect. Which, um, that kind of threw me off. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting that. And I think we harp on this, or I harp on it a lot of times, tone mm-hmm. in a movie. And you go in and I wasn't, you know, I'm expecting kind of, you know, action thriller with like a lot of sci-fi, not violence, and mm-hmm. not expecting a lot of humor. And in the opening scenes with some of the repetitive nature of the looping mm-hmm. and the military stuff, there was a lot of humor that really threw me off because I was not expecting that. And there were people yeah. that would laugh at certain instances. And I was like, whoa. And it felt kind of weird because, you know, let's face it, it's aliens. It's attacking. It's like the end of the world type situation. Yet there's still humor in that. So that well, was interesting. That I think Doug Lyman, the director, did a really good job of making that tone work for the first good half or, or, or almost three quarters of the film. Um, again, I just think they forgot all about that when the, the mechanism broke and when it became the Tom hero action movie in the end, I just think they kind of forgot that. Oh yeah, we had a really interesting concept of a film and now the story we've just made it to where it's looks like every other traditional action movie and it ends, it ends on a okay note. I did like the way it ended as far as the final scene I thought was, was fairly well done. But it's just, I wish the ending could have been stronger. I wish the ending could have been just as unique and as interesting as the first part of the film. And it just it just didn't for me. I liked it. Um, it is one I would recommend. Uh, I'm probably at the three-star mark for this one, mm-hmm. maybe three-and-a-half star. Because I did generally liked it right. out of five stars. But I do think if the ending had been stronger, this would have been a four Four star movie for I, me. I think I'll, you know, Mr. Stingy, if you're going to give it a three and a half, I'll have to go three. Okay, I mean, let I me do three like and a half. You're going to do a three. And I would say that if you have an interest in seeing this movie, I would highly recommend you seeing it in the theater. Um, yeah. Because the battle scene specifically, you talk about, for me at least, there's like this beach scene that they mm-hmm. play a couple of times. And the first two or three times, I thought it was actually really poorly handled because I couldn't tell what was going on at all. There's all these bombs falling. I'm like, who is shooting these things? Why are they? It seems like they're shooting each other. What What is even going on? But I think on a small screen, that may have been even more confusing. But at least on a big screen, you kind of have a sense of scope. But then it eventually slows down. You kind of get what's Well, I think on. it's meant to be overwhelming and dizzying Just because like that's the way it is with stuff. the character. Sure. I mean, Tom Cruise's character, when he first lands on that beach, the very first scene – it's a madhouse, and I think that's supposed to be that way. But as he keeps going back, and we see him go through that battle scene at least a dozen times probably in the film, right. at least portions of it, each time it becomes a little clearer what's happening, what's going to happen, and, and what he's doing. So, um, again, it's Groundhog Day in a sci-fi action movie Absolutely. for a good part of the movie. I like the conceit. I think it worked for me. I just I wish it had just finished stronger. I wish it would have finished with the same original creative style to it that the first big part of the movie did. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm saying three and a half. You're going three stars. So we're okay. It's a mild recommendation, you know, from me, not an overwhelming one. But I did enjoy the film and had fun with it. So great. Let's move on to our second film, which, again, is about as polar opposite as you can get. (laughs) This is the film uh, by director Ama Asante, and uh, it is called Bell. Do not be afraid. I'm here to take you to a good life. A life that you were born to. I beg you, Uncle, 
love her as I would were I here and ensure that she is in receipt of all that is due to her as a child of mine. Do you have in mind my position? That is simply impossible. What is right can never be impossible. What has she been named? Dido Bell Lindsay. She takes your name. I am not ashamed. Chris, in the movie Bell, we have the story of an illegitimate mech's race daughter of a Royal Navy admiral, played by Matthew Good in a very short role at the very beginning of the film. And basically, as he goes back off to war, he brings this illegitimate daughter to be raised by his uncle, uh, uncle and aunt, who are aristocratic. He is a, I guess, a, a judge at the very highest court in England at the time. Right. And they're basically being asked to raise this mixed race daughter. The story follows along as we follow this character, Dido Elizabeth Bell, as she grows up in this very aristocratic family. But yet, obviously, she is still treated somewhat differently than the rest of her family because of the color of her skin. All along, we're also following the a trial that is taking place of a slave ship that allowed a lot of the slaves on board to drown mm-hmm. and perish. And the question came up of whether it was an insurance scam to to get insurance for the slaves or whether it truly was because there were problems and they couldn't have saved the, the slaves even if they wanted to. So that's going on in the background, giving us some historical perspective of what's happening at the time. All along, we're following Dido, the lead character, played by Gugu Mathabarral. Um, Quite the name. Thing, yes, it was an interesting name to, to try to pronounce there. And as we're following her, as she's not only invested in the trial and the people involved in the trial, but also just what that reflects on her own personal status in her family. Right. So Chris, it's a very small film. I uh, did have a few bigger actors playing supporting roles in that. We've got Emily Watson, Miranda Richardson. Uh, we do have um, Tom Wilkinson playing Lord Mansfield. So we had some bigger names playing supporting roles, but the lead actress fairly unknown new, right? uh, director is also somewhat unknown. Uh, with a film and a story that I thought was fairly unknown. So with all that unknowingness to it, <laughs> did the end product result in anything that you thought was worthwhile? Yeah, I'd, it's it's problematic because for me, in general, I don't get behind period pieces. Yeah. I'm not a big period piece guy. But this had the interesting thing of not only being a period piece, but being based on a true story. Mm-hmm. So you had the fact that you know this girl who was you know, a slave basically who got saved by her dad and then put into this family where she could be kind of aristocratic, you know, that was interesting. And that whole dynamic of, wow, you know, I never knew something like that existed and kind of learning how she was able to try to cope with her situation and make the best of it. And it wasn't always easy, but then the background that you mentioned of that trial going on was also interesting. I think maybe it would have been better served for me to have it be two separate movies, maybe. Mm. Um, because I think combining the two, I didn't really feel like I got a true sense of who she was because, and there again, in the movie making, they showed her as a little kid and then all of a sudden they jumped to when she's, I guess, 18, 19 or so. Like, mm-hmm. basically when she's an adult, kind of. Right. And that in-between time period where she was learning how to cope with it, a lot of that skipped. And you don't really see how the family accepts her and she comes to be a part of the family. So I felt like that kind of, left a lot of her background out that I would have liked to know. Meanwhile, the whole trial thing is very interesting, but I didn't feel like I got a good grasp of that. And I guess it was similar kind of to like the whole Amistad situation Mm -hmm. that kind of happened that they'd made a movie about Steven Spielberg did, but I never knew about this happening over in England 
and how that may have influenced the end of slavery over in England. So I guess the film was good, but it splitting back and forth between those two subject lines, I felt like didn't serve to make the film as strong as it could have, I guess. Um, I'll disagree with you on the split nature of it. Cause I actually think it worked really well having her story being run parallel with the trial. It gave enough of a connection point for me where I felt like if I was just watching her story, I'd probably have been kind of bored after a while hmm. And the trial itself. I don't think held enough attention just on its own merit either. I think seeing the fact that she had this uncle relationship with the grant, the, the actual judge over the, the trial and the way that their relationship was having some impact on his decision-making process with, the, with this trial to me, that really worked. I really liked the parallel nature of the two stories and how they would intersect at times as well. Where I will agree with you is that I think overall, I'm not a big fan of period piece either. And in general, I'm not a big fan of movies where a, a huge majority of the time is basically people in costumes standing around talking to each other. And there was a lot of that here. Well, it's a very dialogue driven film. It's not the good, the scenery and some of the shots are really pretty from a scenic standpoint and the saw costumes are well done, but there was nothing visually interesting about the film other than occasionally waiting for a nice scenery shot. Well, so that it's not my, my, my style of film that I really find very appealing. Well, I felt like the first 20 minutes or so were very interesting in kind of the setup of what's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, Admiral comes, rescues his mm-hmm. daughter, illegitimate daughter from possibly going into slavery, rescues her. You know, that was all good. And then from the moment that she becomes an adult and after the first 10 minutes or so of her being adult, it slumps into, for me, something like Wuthering Heights or Jane Mm -hmm. Eyre or Emma or any of those other like fictional stories where all it is is like, ooh, let's play matchmaker and all this. And it bores me to tears. Then in the last 30 or 45 minutes, the court stuff kind of picks up. The judge is going to have to make a decision. That stuff was kind of cool, but it was everything in between that just kind of, I thought it moved glacially slow. Hmm. So that, that, that was, I didn't have a problem with the pacing of it. I just, I'll tell you what my issue, I, in general, I will recommend the film because I think on its merits of the story, it's telling. Sure. And the fact that there are some really good performances in here. I think Tom Wilkinson's really good in the role he plays. I think Miranda Richardson's really good. I think in general, everybody's playing their part really well. Even the lead actress, I thought, was very good. She she was she was good, yeah. especially for it being the first time I'd ever seen her. I thought she did stand so, up. You know, I think it's worth seeing from an acting standpoint. I think it's worth seeing for the story. Uh, my misgiving with it a little bit, and this is probably just me being more of a film snob, which I try not to be in these reviews, <laughs> but the film overall looked more like a glorified Lifetime movie mm. than it did a true film. I can see that. Where it's just... Very elementary shots, very elementary staging uh, things. Again, that's more of a very critical, uh, focused criticism of it. It's not something I would discourage people from seeing because of that. But for me, I just I like things to be a little grander, a little more visually interesting. And this didn't quite hold it for me. Gotcha. But I will say, acting-wise and story-wise, I definitely think it's worth checking out. And I think... If nothing else, I do like these films for the sole reason of if I learn about an element of our history or somebody's life that I didn't know before and it causes me to want to go and read more about it, which I did after seeing this film, that's a good accomplishment for me. I think that's a film well worth checking out. I just wish it had a little more going for it visually. I think I wish it had a little more stylistic or concept choices that made it more interesting to watch. As it was, it was your pretty typical historical film 
titles at the beginning telling you what year it is and what's going on. Titles at the end telling you what happens to the characters after the story is done. (laughs) Very typical. I'd love for people to come up with a more creative way of doing this. I will give it 12 Years a Slave, which I wasn't the biggest fan of that film, but visually and concept-wise, it did have a lot more interesting going on to watch. Even though I probably connected more with some of the characters in this movie, Belle, than I did 12 Years a Slave. Sure. And I think given this is probably Asante's first film, as opposed to maybe second, but a third or fourth. Yeah, but a fairly small uh, repertoire film, though. Right. So I think there's potential for development because, like you're saying, Mm -hmm. I agree. It's it's not a bad film. Um, It is worth seeing for people that are interested in history because, yeah, I came away with at least some knowledge of something that I didn't know about, which was gratifying. And the main two, there are several good supporting performances, but the main performances of Wilkinson and the lady who played Belle, who I'm not even going to. Yeah, gonna, Gugu. Was yes. Car Gugu. Like Gugu. Because that apparently is how you say her name, yes. G-U-G-U. So mm-hmm. um, those two make the film worth watching. And the, yeah. so. I agree. I think Tom Wilkinson especially I thought was really in his A game. I thought he played a good part here. So that's Bell. That's a very small specialty based film. Um, didn't get a lot of attention in the last few months. Uh, I think, you know, they maybe thought about trying to release it in award season and just opted not to. So very small release. Uh, probably haven't heard much about it yourself, but we do encourage it. It's worth checking out, especially if you are a fan of historical dramas, uh, period piece films. It's it's a it's a competently done one that tells a really good story with some good acting. If you happen to be a Tom Felton completist and have been wondering what he's been doing since the Harry Potter films, the Draco Malfoy guy, he plays a bad guy in this movie. So yeah, he's just typecast as the uh, typecast <laughs> as the bad guy. Right. I'm going to go out and say on my letterbox rating, this is a three for me. I'm I'm on the same page. Are you? Me. Okay, yeah. good. Well, three. I mean, I think it's worth seeing. I think yeah. it's. A, I would give it a recommendation. Just uh, yeah. Uh, if it just had a little more interesting going on style and concept wise with the way they told the story, uh, I would definitely have given it a much higher rating. So, okay. So that's our two movie reviews, the edge of tomorrow and the film bell. Uh, when we come back, we're going to break into a couple of really quick news items and close out with our recommendation of a film. We think you ought to check out. Uh, this is foot candle films. We'll be right back. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. Uh, again, visit TheMesh.TV to check out not only back episodes of this show, but also to listen to any other podcasts we have available on the network, all for free, all available through Apple iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or The Mesh website. Chris, we just finished our reviews of Bell and Edge of Tomorrow. Yes. Wanted to hit a couple really quick news items here to just get some quick reactions on some things. Okay. Um, and I've got one offhand. I know we normally talk about movies having to do with superheroes not necessarily (laughs) because not not necessarily because it's something we just typically do but it's because that just seems to be so much of the news that's out there in the movie community is we're talking about superheroes big blockbuster movies and all that and you know it's fine it can be a little little daunting but i did have a news item that is about a somewhat of a superhero film. Okay. But it's very different than the kind of films we've been talking about. And okay. actually one that That's may good. be a very interesting to our audience. 
uh, Alexandro Gonzalez Inarutu. Okay. Did I say that right? Inarutu? Inarutu. Okay, sure. 21 <laughs> Grams, Babel. Yes. Uh, pretty heavy films this guy has done. Right. Very artistic films. A lot of Oscar nominations in years past for some of the performances and some of the directing work he's done in that film. Well, he's got a new film coming out here pretty soon called Birdman. Okay. And here's the reason I'm really interested Animated in this. Snow. <laughs> no, it's not. But here's the reason I'm really interested in this film. It stars Michael Keaton. Okay. Who I will go on record as saying I'm a huge Michael Keaton fan. Yeah, I like him. I think the guy can range from dramatic to comedic. I think he's got a lot of range that hasn't been tapped into still even later in his career. Mm-hmm. I just, I like him. I'm very comfortable with him on screen. And of course, I think all of us, the 1989 Tim Burton Batman oh, yeah. movie, I mean, Absolutely. that kind of just made Michael Keaton our guy if he wasn't there already. Sure. So this film, Birdman, is all about Michael Keaton's character where he plays an actor that his background was he played a superhero character on hmm. a TV show. Okay. He was Birdman. So now he is kind of having to reinvent himself. It's got a little bit of a comedic vibe to it, but it's a dark comedy. Okay. It's him. I think there's a little bit of fantastical elements to it, but it's hmm. very meta in the idea that here is a guy who's a little bit of a washed up actor, which you could argue Michael Keaton may be seen that way. Hmm reliving his dead glory days as a superhero, which Michael Keaton could probably still say that he's probably best remembered for the Batman films. Probably. Um, I think it's just an interesting meta message going on. Yeah. And they did release the trailer. The trailer looks really interesting. I loved the movie poster they put out for this. I'm going to show it to you here. I I have not seen the trailer. I know our audience cannot see it, but this is the movie poster for Birdman. Wow. It is basically a painting of Michael Keaton staring at the screen with a Birdman-looking superhero (laughs) crouched on his head. Cool. Um, And the subtitle of Birdman is The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. Hmm. Let's see where that goes with that. So. Were you a fan of 21 Grams or Babel or any of his other films, uh, Amoris um, Perros? Um, I've seen all three of those, actually, and they were interesting, but um, probably 21 Grams is the one I liked the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not one of my favorite directors. A lot of his stuff seems to be kind of heavy-handed and also really grim. It is. For no re- not no reason, I shouldn't say, but just very reality-based and like very, very dark. Mm-hmm. And so it was hard to come away from them enjoying them. Yeah, they're not so, the films you say you enjoy. They're right. just You can either appreciate them or respect them for what they are. Um, I liked 21 Grams. Uh, I don't remember if I liked Babel or not. <laughs> Does that sound like a reaction to that? I mean, right. I remember it being a very grueling film. Yeah. And I, don't, I didn't feel very clean afterwards. Right. Um, but I think I at least admired it from a technical standpoint. Yeah, so sure. you take this director, Michael Keaton, this meta concept, and it being more of a dark comedy, which is not something Inarutu uh, has done very often, I don't think. Right. Um, could be interesting. So I am looking forward to it. I think that it comes out in October. Okay. So not too far away from here now. Now the, the pairing of those two makes for an interesting match. I'd, I'd be interested in that film as yeah. well. Do you have something, news item? I wanna... do. It's just a real quick uh, thing. But uh, George Clooney I'm and familiar Josh with him. Brolin, yes. they are reteaming with the Coen brothers for a movie called Hail Caesar. And the idea is it is supposedly set in 1950s Hollywood. Uh And I think it's Josh Brolin, but I'm not clear on the casting. Plays like a 50s Hollywood fixer bodyguard type person who helps out stars in trouble. And I'm assuming George Clooney is going to be one of those stars. 
Um, you know, any Coen Brothers movie, I'll go see off the bat. I really like George Clooney. Them reteaming with him and Josh Brolin, I think sounds interesting. And Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar. I don't know what the reference is on that. but um, And also the fact that they're just doing something about Hollywood, maybe kind of parroting things that went mm. on in Hollywood, I, I think sounds like a, a must-see. Have they so. ever done a film, the Coen Brothers, that really was a more of a riff parody on Hollywood? I mean, Barton Fink. Oh, yeah, kind that's of true. Yeah, that did side, have some of but that. But this has more to do with the movie stars and stuff. So at least I think. So um, I'm, I'm interested. I'm looking forward I, to it. So, yes. so my kids were watching Garfield 2. Wow. The I other day on cable. I can't wait to see how this pairs with <laughs> the Coen brothers. Oh, it actually does. Okay, awesome. Um, so have you heard the story about why supposedly Bill Murray accepted the role of playing the voice of Garfield in the original Garfield movie that came out several years ago? No, they were going to give him a ton of cash. No. Mm, Well, supposedly the story he tells is that the writer of the movie Garfield is an Eaton Cohen. Okay. All right. Eaton Cohen is the direct, the writer of Garfield, not Ethan, Cohen. not Ethan Cohen, like Cohn brothers, but Eaton Cohen. Okay. Only like one or two letters different. Okay. Supposedly, Bill Murray has been on record saying that's why he signed on to Garfield because he thought it was a Coen Brothers script. Ah. <laughs> now, whether you believe that or not, I don't know, but I still think that's a hilarious story wow, to sign is. on to a CGI Garfield animated, well, hybrid live action animated right. film wow. that got horrible reviews. Because you thought the, the Cone brothers were writing the script for but it. But he didn't do the sequel, did he? He did. He did. Not the sequel. But, I, the sequel was, was all money grab. by the Cone no, brothers. <laughs> but I'm sure the sequel was a complete money grab. Okay. I'm sure the first one was probably mostly money grab, but sure. it's still a funny story all the way around. Wow. All that right. interesting. I did not. So a couple interesting films to be watching from some interesting directors that are trying maybe some different things. But I, I agree with you. I think Hell Caesar sounds really interesting. Yeah. You know, there again, the Coen brothers have really not done a whole lot of wrong in my book. Uh, even when you've got a film like the lady killers, that was maybe a misstep. Right. They came right back the very next film or two. And you've got a serious man and you've got true grit and you've got inside Lewin Davis. And I mean, sure. It's just the body of work is impressive. So yeah, yeah. I'm even on lesser Coen brothers films. I'm still willing to go out and check it out. Oh, and absolutely. this will be like their third or fourth film with Clooney. Wouldn't it be? Uh, they did, uh, Oh brother. Out there. They did, uh, intolerable cruelty burn after reading. Mm-hmm. So maybe fourth. Fourth film with yeah. him. Mm. Became so, a little bit of a partnership there they yeah, got with him. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's wrap up here real quick with our recommendations of films. Uh, these are just films that we know you can access through iTunes, Amazon, online. But maybe at the course of the time when they came out, you may have overlooked them or just ones we want to bring back to the surface. If I could go first, Chris, sure, is that okay? Um, I started watching the HBO series True Detective okay. recently. I'm only through the first episode. I'm interested in the film i can't say i'm in or the series i can't say i'm enjoying it yet but it's definitely got some very interesting ideas to it that i'm looking forward to exploring more but what it got me thinking more about is matthew mcconaughey how the guy's really had a resurgence in the last few years of roles dallas buyers club he's going to be in the new christopher nolan film interstellar yes Yes. um he's He's in in true detective he was in mud some really good stuff coming out of him recently Mm mm-hmm Made me think back to a film back in 1997 he was in that I really, really like, the film Contact. Oh, um, yeah. Have you recommended this film? 
I don't think I have, but I've okay. maybe talked about it. Maybe. Maybe you have. I feel like as I say the name of the film, I feel like there's something we've talked about this recently. Mm-hmm. But the film Contact, I think, is a lesser known Robert Zemeckis film. Mm-hmm. And it was one that came after Forrest Gump. So, of course, everybody's all big hoopla about Forrest Gump. Then he comes back and does Contact, which got a lot less attention, mm-hmm. uh, not as big a box office and all. But I think I love the film. I think it's a really, really good film. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is only like his second or third big role. Hmm. So he was still kind of evolving as an actor. Jodie Foster, right? Yeah. McConaughey's not the reason I recommend this film because he's not terribly great in this film. Jodie Foster, I thought, was fine. It's more just the concept. I think it's just this slow build, close encounters of the third kind type of storyline to it that does culminate in a very sci-fi heavy situation. But at the same time, it never got overly heavy handed. It never got goofy. I mean, it was just well, well done all the way through. So I still think this is one of those films when it comes on cable or it's on in the background, I will watch it through because it's just fun to watch. Yeah. I'd, I'd forgotten about it. I think we may have talked about it in the past, but I agree. I'm, I'm a huge fan of that movie. Yeah. So. It's probably one of the best Robert Zemeckis films other than of course, uh, back to the future and hmm. some of the films he did there. But in recent years before he got into all the motion capture right cgi stuff i think this was classic robert zemeckis film here so <laughs> sure good. what have you got for us um I, it was a movie that originally i was not very excited about it was uh, in 2012 end of watch jake hmm. gyllenhaal and michael right. pena um basically it was sold as a kind of found footage or documentary style shot cop movie okay. so i was like okay not interested i've seen right. training day all these cop movies that come out seemingly every year not interested but Watching it, I wish kind of they hadn't done the found footage slash documentary idea because I think that was actually it was distracting because sometimes you don't understand how this footage got captured and that kind of took me out of the movie. But that being said, the performances of Gyllenhaal and Pena were incredible. Their chemistry is like a cop buddy team. I immediately bought. Wow! And it was it was really good. I think it's a really solid film, and it you know makes you respect the work, even though it is a fiction film. Makes you respect the work that police officers do because clearly it's dangerous. So, um, end of watch. Huh? End, end that was of a watch. film I saw advertised, and it just never really piqued an interest in me. Same thing with me. But yeah. I kept hearing people online mention how good it was, um, despite some of them saying, "Yeah, the found footage thing is idea behind it was kind of annoying." Mm-hmm. But get through that, and it's a it's a good movie, and I, I would agree with that. I, I recommend it. Interesting, Chris. I get, you know what I'm going to do right now? What's I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh-oh. I'm going to bolt out the door because I've oh, got to go. No. So you have to close out the show. Okay. Can I, you do it? Yes. Great. All right. Can I'm out of here, Chris. Take it home. <laughs> okay. We'll do. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Foot Candle Films. You can find out more about us on our website, which is www.footcandle.org, or TheMesh.tv, where we have all of our shows on Foot Candle Films. You can also follow Alan and I on Letterboxd, which is L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D, no E, dot com, where we just go by simply Chris Fry and Alan Jackson. You can follow our movie recommendations or when we um, give stars to random movies that we may catch up with on Netflix. Um, Just kind of a way to follow what we're thinking. You can leave comments and stuff as well. Uh, If you are interested in suggesting a movie for us to watch, just send an email to info at themesh.tv and uh, mention what you want us to talk about or maybe review in the future. Uh, That's it for us. Um, Thanks for checking us out. See you in the ticket line.
Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard. 